0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Vents. This is Fed Weekly.
1: A collaboration between Vice
2: and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Busy. Let's get it cracking Santos Amelia Event Daily
1: It's the beginning of September and lots of people are going to be going back to education
2: Every day this week we're making a show about what we wish we'd learnt at school and what we think teachers should know about
1: For the next two episodes, we're thinking about what history we learn and what history gets left off the curriculum.
2: Today, we're sharing a part one of a two-part conversation we had with all our ex from fill in the blanks and Adam Rogers-Johns from the Museum of British Colonialism.
1: Hey guys, do you just want to introduce yourselves and say a little bit more about what you do?
3: Yeah, so my name's Adam, as you just said, I'm part of the Museum of British Colonialism. It's a bit of a mouthful, Um, And I got involved with the museum when I was in Kenya. I was working in Kenya and the museum does a lot of work in Kenya about British colonialism in Kenya um, and that history. But then it's also about British colonialism more broadly. But my my interest is in Africa. I studied African studies. I'm from South East London and I'm white. I studied African (laughs) studies at SOAS. Yeah, that's me.
1: No, that's sick. Yeah, I know about the SOAS Uni as well. So what were you doing in Kenya, by the way? Like, Were you... Was it missionary stuff or was it just like history stuff?
3: With with the museum. So there was um, a conflict in Kenya. So it's kind of the anti-colonial resistance. There was a war in the 1950s, basically, kind of in the build up to independence when Kenyans were fighting for independence. Um, And yeah, the British kind of stamped out this resistance really violently. And it's Mm. a history that is very little known um, by not not just in school, but just like... Generally. Yeah, generally, generally. So it was all about that, and it was like speaking to people who kind of remembered that, and going to places where it happened, and kind of with a Kenyan and British team, and just kind of kind of working through the history together with um, mm. and just kind of reflecting on it. And it's a, like I said, very violent, very tragic, but um, so mm. a very like, very traumatic history. So it's yeah, really intense. But um, yeah, just like I said, it's not very known at all. So it was really good to kind of people respond so well because it's so right. known.
1: Yeah, no, we'll definitely come back to that as well. That's really interesting. Um, And yeah, Ola, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm Ola. I'm one of the co-founders of a student like youth movement called Fill in the Blanks. Our campaign is all about getting the mandating British colonial history on the curriculum for all Key Stage 3 students. So mm-hmm. I did History A-level and like I became really interested in how people of colour and how specifically colonialism is not represented at all in the history curriculum. Right. And you can go throughout school without learning about something as essential to the world as it is today as colonialism exactly. and like coming from uh like my i mix so my half of my family is indian and they're south african indian and in one history lesson i once learned about them and it really gave me an insight of how important it is to learn about your history because mm-hmm. it makes you feel seen and important yeah and it has so many more reasons of why it's so important but yeah so i'm part of this wider group we did a big action in january where we kind of to highlight this issue and yeah we keep on uh, pushing for this and yeah I'm happy to speak to you all today. So I guess the first
1: thing I want to ask and I'll direct this to Adam is like why does the Museum of British Colonialism exist?
3: It's interesting isn't it because even like the British Museum you could say that was in a way it's a Museum of British Colonialism like so mm-hmm. much of that stuff I mean it, it is a Museum of British Colonialism but not explicitly so I think even just like the name Museum of British Colonialism it's kind of like wow that doesn't exist yet kind of thing. Right.
1: I think it's really important that we do have something that's so specific to British history because I think Particularly within the curriculum, they've done a really good job of covering up the actual truth about it. And so when people speak about stuff like institutional systemic racism, a lot of people don't respond very well to those ideas, or that systems such as like you know medical care, the justice system, the prison complex, all those kind of things, like even the job market and everything like that and the property market, those institutions won't be racist. But actually, I think it's because we don't know the history of the country
0: and I also think it's really interesting as well um like the focus that we have on the American civil rights movement which kind of especially right. in schools is kind of taught us like racism doesn't exist in the UK we didn't have this kind of explicit segregation when actually we did still have a his- we still have a history of racism and racism it definitely exists in the UK but in the way it's presented in our history is kind of that we're a post-racial society which is not true at all.
3: With the people saying they're proud of empire and that kind of what it means to be British. And particularly in London, I think as well, because like you go into most schools and English isn't even like it's kind of everyone speaks loads of other languages as well. So it's kind of the idea of being British is so like simplistic. And it's actually the idea of Britishness is so much more like complex and such a difficult history that's just not acknowledged Yeah,
1: and I don't think people should try and kind of like mull over it or teach it at a surface level because it's not like our culture and everything is not just a surface level kind of culture. Like like you said, there's so many layers to it. Even when you think about like immigration and people being called to the country to help like rebuild it and stuff. After the Second World War in particular, like I wouldn't say that British culture is solely white or, mm. or anything like that. I think we pretty much make up British culture, like other cultures make up British culture as well. So I think it's really important to know that, isn't it?
2: Why do you guys think history is taught the way it's taught in schools, like, now? Because if we didn't feel like there was an issue in how it was taught, then all of you wouldn't have started, you know, organisations like yourself. So what would you say is wrong about it?
0: Well, I think um, the view of history and, like, the relationship that most people have with history is a very comfortable one. And it's kind of seen as a source of kind of nostalgia and comfort in times... Of So, like, often thinking about history as a simpler time. Um, And I think that's a, like, a broader issue. But I think that really shows how kind of facing our colonial history is not comfortable. It's not a happy thing to go and read about. Like, a lot of the time it is filled with a lot of suffering and a lot of hardship. There's a balance, obviously, with every part of history. But I think that's why we haven't faced it and um, why it is continually resisted to be, explored because it is so scary and Mm -hmm. it's scary to like how we have built our country and how we have become established in the way that we are in the world today so like even thinking about what does Britishness actually mean today like we don't consider about how many things that we consider typically British aren't actually things that we own they're actually a lot of the time like colonial exports and so I think it's kind of understanding it has been really hard for history curriculums to kind of Come to terms with that, um, and also I think it speaks to the lack of research in higher education, which is a problem, mm-hmm. and also that active actions to cover up parts of these history, which I know the Museum of British Colonialism have done a lot of work on as
3: well. Mm. I think there's also the question of like um what's on the curriculum and how much room there is to kind of explore different things. People don't feel comfortable talking about empire and colonialism and race in schools because they don't really have the tools to to deal with those things in the classroom. Because that's kind of the the excuse for not doing it on the curriculum is that it's like it's there, but people choose not to go too deep on it. I think it's just it's yeah, people don't really feel comfortable dealing with those issues in a classroom. They don't feel equipped to uh, talk about those kind of hard issues.
1: But how do we alleviate that kind of, like, discomfort? Because at the end of the day, whether it's uncomfortable or not, it happened. And the effects of that are still reigning very true and they're still shifting society today. So I don't know how you can avoid it. Like, how, what, what would you guys suggest in terms of, like, you know, kind of alleviating that sort of stress? I feel like, for me, my, one of my ideas is having, because there's so many scholars who are of colour as well, who would be more comfortable, you know, of a particular culture, background, race, who would be more comfortable discussing these things. So I say they need to, schools need to kind of like actively seek out those people to come and be educators and teachers in schools. And so it would make, first of all, it would mean that everybody learns about different types of cultures and histories and stuff in an honest way. But also you have someone who's of that expertise because there's so many people who do it. How else would you kind of change that level of discomfort?
0: I think it's also about kind of approaching colonial history in the wider sense and not just in schools. So like people who have left school and have left higher education, like exploring your own history and how your own history is linked to colonialism. Because, I mean, colonialism ultimately impoverished you or enriched you. And like every single person can probably find out a link and a connection to how colonialism has affected their family and and then taking that information and having wider conversations within your family, within your friends and kind of bringing it up as a subject and using that as kind of a broader social movement to kind of understand how we are all really deeply affected by this thing that nobody talks about in the classroom.
3: And making it, I think, like you guys, the campaign to kind of make it mandatory. I think if it was Mm -hmm. mandatory, people would have to kind of face it and yeah. they'd have to be more, more mutual support. I feel like that's an issue. There's not enough support for people trying to do these things. If it was like mandatory, then every, there would be kind of more networks and um, yeah, hopefully there'll be like more discussions and it would work better.
2: I think if they just felt more like free and able to talk about everything in history, just the way it was, it would be more, not necessarily more interesting, but I do feel like, for example, when, when I was in school, I do feel like a lot of my peers were kind of bored in history because they're kind of like, oh, like, why do I want to know about what happened hundreds and thousands of years ago? Like, the future is what's really important. Everything that's happened before us has led us to where we are now. It would be great if we were intrigued enough to do the research ourselves and start having those conversations between friends and family. But I feel like for most of us, history is first presented to us at school in a way that is like, oh, I'm forced to learn this. It's, it's, exactly. It's not something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the, the way the topics are presented as well. Yeah. You know, so I, I just feel like, yeah, breaking that barrier down will lead people to having those conversations between friends and family.
0: I think history is just the starting point and understanding it because it is the past and it is there and it is literally the truth. But I think... It's part of a broader movement to decolonize the rest of education. I mean, even in like I took geography A level, sitting in that room, you understand the continual colonialist narratives throughout that, like talking about development, talking about third world countries, and this whole perspective is really deeply rooted in colonial mindsets. Mm -hmm. So I think especially focusing on history, it's not just history, it's also thinking about how the past affects the present and kind of tackling that issue of like feeling that it's just not relevant.
2: Agreed. Yeah, 100%. Adam. You studied Britain's impact on Kenya in the 1950s. I just wanted to ask if you could tell us more about what you've learned.
3: Yeah, so I think it was it was really interesting. I mean because before I went to Kenya I didn't know too much about the history like I was a little bit aware of it, but I wasn't I definitely wouldn't have called myself an expert. but one thing I definitely learned throughout it was seeing how um, impactful that history was on contemporary Kenya. And also just people's lack of knowledge. I think that was mad in Kenya. It's just kind of the fact that no one knew about this history really shows because basically the documents that kind of exposed what happened weren't um, even available until
2: 2011. Oh my God. Could you tell us a bit about what happened in the 1950s?
3: Yeah, so basically there was a movement called the Mau Mau. They were mainly a Kikuyu movement but not just Kikuyu, but that's one, one ethnicity in Kenya. Like I said, they're an anti-colonial resistance movement. Mm-hmm. So in, resp- in response to them, the British basically used concentration camps and put tens of thousands of people in concentration camps, forced labour camps often, so they'd be working. The crazy thing was, in the build-up to independence, the British government had this thing called Operation Legacy, and Operation Legacy was basically like trying to create a, a legacy for the British Empire. So they had really I- explicit instructions about what to do all the documents that basically exposed torture and the concentration camps, they basically said, you either destroy them or you hide them. It wasn't until 2011. So everyone kind of knew they were there because people mm. were kind of like, where have these documents gone? Like they've obviously, yeah. Like, yeah. So they people knew they were there, but then they weren't, they weren't um, public. And then the, it wasn't until the Mau Mau, the Kenyan like um, veterans, they filed a court case and it came to Britain from, um, from Kenya and, the judge said you have to like bring these make these documents public um, and that was only in 2011 and it wasn't just kenya that the documents yeah it was the whole of the empire Those documents, they're known as the migrated archives. They were like Mm -hmm. documents that were migrated out of um, former colonies. It's one of the main things the museum works on because it's one of the maddest things about, I think, our colonial history in the sense that this is like such an obvious example of the history being erased. And also they're like, now they're in Kew Gardens. How accessible is that really? And obviously, let alone to people in London, but like also to, yeah, obviously the communities where they came from. It's kind of like the repatriation of those archives is the next step, I think.
1: So in terms of the covering up of like um Kenya's history what impact did that have on like the country itself because obviously if everything's been destroyed there's no evidence of like any form of injustices or whatever happened during that time against the people of Kenya so what impact did that have on the country
3: It's really interesting because um the first president of Kenya Jomo Kenyatta it's really controversial whether he was kind of a Mau Mau or not in many ways he was kind of and this was the case in a lot of kind of um independence in, countries in Africa it was kind of like the British handed over power to people that they were they saw as friends so Jomo Kenyatta now his son is the current president of Kenya and being Mau Mau was illegal in Kenya until the early 2000s it was really like the whole image of the Mau Mau they just wanted to see it as this like violent movement and this is why they never got compensation they were never shown the respect that they deserved for like being kind of these radical resistance fighters because the history has been erased it means that kenya there's never been any kind of like collective recognition of like this was our struggle like it's still very very present in kenya definitely
1: what do you think the impact has been on like the british generation coming up and just other generations like generally because of the lack of colonial history that's been taught
0: I think it definitely has a person, like on a personal level, there is a definite feeling of invalidation and being othered, which mm-hmm. I think is a feeling that many people sadly feel all too frequently. But then on a wider level, I think it causes so many practical problems, which are actually like if you don't learn about a key event in the world that actually shapes how policy is made, how politics works and how the systems that ev- we interact with every single day operate and work, how are we meant to work within them or how are we even meant to build them better and how are we meant to change them?
1: Exactly.
0: Like it's, it's a fundamental thing that we're just not taught and it just, it doesn't make any, well, it makes sense because you understand it from the position of the British empire, which is, they don't want to explore this history because it is, a lot of it is quite shameful. But it doesn't make sense to not teach children and to not teach ourselves something as essential as the British Empire and how it shaped the
2: world. I wouldn't say I'm like big into history. So right now I can only go back into like to what I remember from school. And I feel like it it was kind of bittersweet because especially like as Ola said that some of the things they would teach us and some of the things they wouldn't teach us it's cause it was quite like shameful. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like bittersweet. Like they would tell us things in a certain way, where it's kind of sugarcoated, for example, and it's in in a sense where they're kind of trying to justify their actions when really they should just teach us how how it is. Do you get what I'm saying? And cause the past is the past. You know, we can't change that. And trying to present it in a certain way that it necessarily isn't can just make it even more confusing.
3: We saw with like Windrush as well that kind of how that lack of understanding like creates so many contemporary problems with like mm-hmm. racism in society and personally like my thing with that often is um like I said in South London and how there's big African community in like I live in Peckham like big Nigerian community and that kind of lack of understanding like that people have of those people and their culture and their history and mm-hmm. I think that's like I think a better understanding of well, yeah different cultures and kind of different languages if mm-hmm. if that was the case if people were a lot more aware of, of that sort of thing then they'll mm-hmm. be I think I think we would be in a much better place as a society.
0: And I also think like the history that we taught is largely whitewashed and like colonial history obviously is a starting point in recognising the history of people of colour and the recognising the history of non-white people like the history of non-white people is so much more than that and it is like full of joy and full of celebration and full of like more beautiful things than just colonialism so I think I don't want to hear about Henry VIII's wives another time It would be taught through that for another time like there's so much more to be learned and to understand and I think it's such an opportunity to teach our kids and to teach ourselves about so many more interesting things
3: this is the end of part one Tune in tomorrow for the second part of this
2: conversation. Thanks for listening to VENT Daily. I've been Santos.
1: And I've been Amelia. Thanks a lot to Ola and Adam for coming on. You can find out more about Ola's organisation at fill in the blanks on social media and more about what Adam does at org.
2: This episode was produced by the VENT production team. Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid, and Ali Adlington.
1: VENT is a collaboration between VICE and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020.